We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man, Andreas Hale, is still not in the building, but best wishes to him. You will hear him back later on in the week where we're talking about Jake Paul, the upcoming um, boxing event down in Tampa, which now he's fighting Tyron Woodley instead of Tommy Fury. So we're going to talk about the change, what it means for Jake Paul, our predictions. We'll also recap this big boxing weekend that we just had, Lomachenko in New York, the state of the lightweight division heading into the new year, all of that good stuff when the old man comes back later in the week. That means this episode is MMA-based. We're going to be talking about UFC 269, the shocking results in the co-main event with Amanda Nunez being upset. We're going to talk about the main event. Dustin Poirier comes up short again in his hopes for a title. Charles Oliveira is an animal. We'll talk about that fight as well. Undercard. The Corner Podcast streak continues. Tai Tui Vasa wins. Does a shoey on the top of the octagon. See, this is why I had to do the shoey on the last show. People are looking at me like I'm crazy. They probably don't know who Tai Tui Vasa is or his backstory. They think I just wanted to drink liquor out of a shoe. No, I just wanted to have a beer in pre-celebration of this man's victory. Tai Tui Vasa is on a four-fight winning streak now every time. A random fan throws him a shoe, and then someone throws him a beer. He drinks it out of the random person's shoe and tosses it back to him. We saw that celebration this past weekend, so I knew it was going to happen. I just had to join him prematurely because I was going to be in New York. If not, I would have done it in the arena on media row. People looked at me like I was a weirdo, but instead we have it on camera. Thanks to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas, and thanks to producer Cole Bebe holding it down in the booth. Clipped that so quick last week. Put that on, on social media for everyone to see. So it's a great weekend in MMA. We'll talk about what this means heading forward into the new year. We have a main event that was confirmed, Adesanya Whitaker 2, that we have to touch on as well. We have to see what's next for Oliveira. Conor McGregor is lurking in the background. He sent a tweet out today. Him and Oliveira had a back and forth. So my wild hot take that Conor McGregor would come back early in the year and get an immediate title shot is still a possibility. Unlikely, but it's a possibility. 
So we'll touch on all of that towards the end of the show when we dive into our combat sports. To start off the show, though, really nothing crazy happened in hip-hop. Nothing crazy happened in the world that I felt like talking about. And really, to be honest with everyone, I was a little bit unplugged. I was traveling to New York. I was going to the Lomachenko fight. This was the fourth fight I traveled for in the past three weeks. This streak continues. It goes four out of five because I'm going to the Jake Paul fight later this week in Tampa as well. So I've been on the road on and off of planes, but got to go home to New York. This trip was different than my Thanksgiving trip. That one I spent a lot with family. Still went to the Teofimo fight, but that was more family related. This one I was in Manhattan the whole time. I am proud to report, Cole, I'm proud to tell you, a coat was not needed. It was 50 and 60 degrees in New York this wedding, <laughs> this wedding, this weekend. Amazingly hot this weekend in New York. I wore shorts one day downtown. It was beautiful outside. I only needed a hoodie. The hoodie was too much at times. I walked from MSG back to my hotel in Times Square. I was on 43rd and Broadway. No coat. Just a thin hoodie on Saturday night, and I felt fine. So shout out to the New York weather, who is on my side, keeping the gimmick alive. They're like, no, we could have snow. It could be 20 degrees. But for you, Kel, for you, we will make sure it is not mandatory for you to buy a coat. Maybe next year, people. Not this year. No coat for me. It's, uh, it's warmer there than it was here. Yeah. freezing here. I hopped off the plane here, and I was like, what is going on in Vegas? Why is it so cold? It was a, at least 10, 15 degrees colder here than it was in New York. New York was like a spring day. I felt amazing. If I would have brought basketball sneakers with me, I would have went. I would have ran a game of full court. I would have played some ball. It felt like NYC in April. It was amazing. You would have played ball in your untied DCs. I actually could have played ball in my untied DCs because these things can do everything. Everything that I need, I can do in these black DCs. So I probably should have played ball anyway, just, just for the record. I should have went out there and showed people that these are the optimal performance sneaker. Anything you need can be done in these sneakers. But so got to go back home to New York. Amazing weather. I was there. Um, my wife came out. Uh, my wife's sister had only been in New York once. So she went to New York, hung out with my wife while we were there. So it's the first time, honestly, probably in my life, that I've done the tourist stuff in New York. Because when you're from there, one, you don't go to Manhattan too much. It's like living in Vegas and going to the Strip. Like if I didn't have this show and if I didn't cover combat sports, I would have no reason to be on the Strip. It's like that in Manhattan. Like I don't need to go to Manhattan when I go home. When I lived in Connecticut... I drove down to the Bronx, saw my family, drove into Harlem, saw my other family when needed, and I hung out in Queens. Shout out to everyone from Queens or from New York. Steinway is the way to go. I hung out down there. Um, Astoria, tons of hookah, tons of fun, great lounges, great food. That was my go-to. I never go to Brooklyn. I've been to Brooklyn like three times in my whole life. Um, no, no need to go there. Brooklyn, Bronx, people don't mesh. That's a whole different story. So I hung out in Queens. The Bronx, Harlem, that's usually my go-to. So this time, staying in Manhattan and doing the tourist stuff, I was like, you know what? I get it. I understand why people do this. Went down, saw the Statue of Liberty. I didn't get on a ferry. I don't get on boats. I don't know how to swim. So, so if for any reason something happens, 
that would be the end of me. I try to stay stay away from things like that. And those fairies do not look anywhere near upkept to my standards. Like the fairy looks like it's been running the same since 1975. Rustic, dirty, much like New York City. So I do not trust the fairies going to the Statue of Liberty, but I went to Battery Park, chilled, looked at it from a distance. I got the gist of it. If I need to see it closer, I'll watch Spider-Man this upcoming week. And there's a huge fight scene out there. I'll get my fix of the Statue of Liberty. But seeing it in person, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why people go down there. Battery Park was cool. Went to Empire State Building. Didn't go up. I'm scared of heights. So I looked at that from a distance. I, I went to the bottom. I looked up. That was enough for me. Going up 110 stories or whatever that stupid building is. Nah, I, I'm good. I would have a heart attack. That would be the last of me. So I saw it from a distance. I get it. That looks cool. Kept it moving. Um, I saw the tree, Rockefeller Center, first time ever in my life, like up close. Never, never went before. That I don't get. It's a tree, people. Like everyone has a tree. Everyone has the same lights. The tree doesn't do anything spectacular. There's not like, I would get it if the, the light bulbs flickered like every 15 minutes or it was set to music and there was some type of cool extravaganza. If it had pyro, like it was a Goldberg tree. Play Goldberg's music, do the pyro, and if the tree just blew smoke out, out of somewhere, like Bill Goldberg, now I'm intrigued. That, give me a Brock Lesnar tree. Let's just switch up the pyro every half an hour. You play the, I don't know, the Randy Orton music, and if somehow someone can rig the tree's branches to do the pose, now I'm, now I'm interested. Now we are getting somewhere. The tree does nothing. There's a bunch of people standing around looking at a tree. You can ice skate. That line is like three hours long. No, I'm good. And it's like $50 to ice skate in front of a tree. The tree does nothing. I don't get that part. Again, but I saw it. I can say I've done it. This added a lot to my New York City touristy experience. When you go back home, Cole, and you visit, I mean, you've been, you lived in New York. You were there. Did you ever do any of these things when you were in the city? Did you do the tourist stuff? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. The tourists were were the people in the way. You know, you're just like, you're trying to get to work. You're going, well, I'm working in media, so if I don't make it there in five minutes, I'm replaced immediately. These people got to get out of the way. <laughs> people got to move. I will say I was guilty because waiting for my wife and her sister, they're looking up. That's the telltale sign. You ain't from here. If you're in the middle of Manhattan and you're looking up, it's already problematic. Shout out to my wife's sister, um, Michelle. She listens to the pod. She has tiny little legs. She's like five feet. So she doesn't necessarily have the build to have a New York stride. So there was like little old ladies passing her at one point, like walking through the streets. And then it was very hard to slow down and, and, you know, it's the weekend, it's holiday time. The crowds are moving. People who actually got to do work got to get there. So she was keeping up. You know, the, the line was held a little bit because of her. At one time, someone heckled us. Get out of here, tourists. Like, you know, just they knew what was happening. So, and you know, I felt a little shame. The inner New Yorker in me was like, oh. But it was worth it. She got the full experience. Um, went to the cathedral. We saw 
everything there is to see in Manhattan, we ended up doing. Um, Would have saw more, but on Friday, and I didn't tell my job this, people, this is between us family members in the podcast. Um, on Friday, I was going to weigh-ins. My wife walked me down, and her and her sister were going to go see some other stuff um, downtown, I think like Fifth Avenue or something. And I got into weigh-ins, took my seat in the front. Right when the first fighter hit the scale, my wife texts me. She was like, I can't breathe. I'm like, what? She's like, I can't breathe. So I call her. I'm like, what do you mean you can't breathe? She's like, I can't talk because I can't breathe. She was like, so I called her sister. I'm like, what's happening? My, my wife had an allergic reaction to something. We still don't know what it is. Headed toward, I mean, she has an appointment at the allergist in the next coming days. But her throat swells up completely. Her tongue's starting to swell. It's like three times the size of a normal tongue. She can't breathe. We call the ambulance. And we're on 33rd and 7th, like right next to MSG. And I'm like, damn, I don't know how an ambulance is getting here. So I run out of the presser or out of the weigh-ins. I see no one weigh-in. I'm like, whatever. Run out of there. I run up the block. They drop me the location. I run up the block, see my wife, like, on the steps of some building. And then, thankfully, the ambulance gets there. I was like, it was close. They had to give her, like, a shot of adrenaline and give her an EpiPen, get her in the ambulance. I ride with her to the hospital to give her another EpiPen. It was, it was crazy. So they get the allergic reaction to kind of calm down after a while. It takes, like, five, six hours. We're in the ER. And I was like, well, you know. Our Friday, we were supposed to go to Queens, party out there. I was going to go check out somewhere to eat in Brooklyn. You know, I, I, was, I was going to go against my better intuition. But, yeah, none of that came to fruition on Friday because, yeah, I had to take the wife to the emergency room and didn't tell my job because, I mean, I want to work. So went to the emergency room, sat there with my wife, opened the laptop, covered the entire weigh-ins from the emergency room. Um, while filling out her paperwork and making sure she was fine. Um, I'm on an interview panel at ESPN, did that from the emergency room. I had to interview somebody from the emergency room. I was like, yo, listen, I apologize. You're like, do you want me to call back? Are you busy? I was like, no, 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 we're good. And my wife's like in the bed at this point, a little groggy because of they gave her like an IV of Benadryl, like super strength Benadryl. She's like, no, no, he's fine. It'll be fine because <laughs> she knows how I am too. It's like, no, I, I work through everything. Um, if the situation was reversed, I'd be very upset if she wouldn't let me work while having an allergic reaction. So, um, yeah, so she, that's another moment where I was like, you know what, my wife is pretty cool because anyone else would have been like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, you know, scared as hell. Like, having, I'm in the ER in a different city. Why are you working? No, she's like, no, 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 yeah, get some work. So, so I got to work through that entire thing, didn't miss a beat. Um, thankfully, she's feeling good. And she's feeling much better. Um, I have medication, EpiPens, everything for her. We're going to find out what she's allergic to. But on Saturday, she felt better. We did a lot of our tourist things on Saturday as well. And then I was able to go cover the fight. So no harm, no foul. She's, she's feeling great again. A little pep in her step today. So, I mean, just this whole New York trip was just a wild experience because I had never been in ER in New York. I grew up there. I've, I've only been in a hospital twice in New York. One was the day after I broke my collarbone because I refused to go the first day. But I realized I was trying to play basketball outside the second day, and I couldn't shoot a jump shot with my right hand. I couldn't lift my hand up over my, my uh, 
couldn't lift my shoulder to shoot a jump shot. I was like, oh, oh man. All right. Like, had to go to the hospital, not the ER. Went in the normal way and waited two hours. And then they gave me my little sling and reset it. So that and when I was born. I have never been in a hospital outside of that, ever. I played football for 10 years of my life, 12 years of my life. Never been in a hospital. So when I was in New York, I was like, oh, you know what? New York hospitals aren't too bad. It was, I mean, it was a lot of people. But I was like, not too shabby down here. I was in the village. That was cool. Um, so that was a different experience. I'm not sure if that's a tourist attraction. Uh, I'd say if you're visiting New York City, do not put visiting ER on your bucket list. But something we experienced, and that was um, – like Friday, so this was just a completely different New York trip for me, and it was it was nice being home, but it's one of those things like, man, I'm glad to be back, like to Vegas. Like New York is cool, it's all right. I'm glad to be back. The other thing I learned this weekend: holiday travel sucks. I've never really had to travel during holiday time. Like it's just not my thing. I was broke for a long period of time. In my in my 20s. So I didn't have the funds to travel in the holiday and, like, go here and go there. My family's all dispersed. Um, I have no family here in Vegas. So, like, my mom lived in China for 13 years. Um, she's now back because of COVID and she can't live in China. But outside of that, like, she's always lived overseas since I was, like, 18 throughout. Um, my grandparents retired, moved to Puerto Rico. Before then, they lived in New York. My other grandparents live in New York. Um, my other family members all up there in Jersey. So it was like I never had the funds to really travel during holiday time. Airports suck during holiday time. It took me forever to get through the stupid TSA thing the other day. I still have to go to the Jake Paul fight. That's a connecting flight. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Connecting in Atlanta, which is already a horrible airport. So I'm like, oh, man. I got like two hours between flights. Then, again, I bought these tickets a long time ago. Didn't know I had five fights in a row. I'm taking my wife, my stepdaughter, and my three kids to Puerto Rico for New Year's. Yeah, so we're going December 31st. We come back January 8th. And it's just like oh, six of us. Again, connecting flight. No direct flight to Puerto Rico. After I've done all this travel, I'm just like, this is going to be, I need a vacation from all of this traveling. And I know I sound spoiled. I don't care. It is horrible traveling during this time. And I thought of you, Cole, one, because I was going to New York and I saw your doppelganger at the airport. I swear there's another guy who's exactly like producer Cole Bebe walking around. There was photographic evidence. <laughs> yes. This may need to be displayed at some point. <laughs> I got to put it on the Twitter. I need a side-by-side. -side. I'll, I'll do a, a half and half between you and this guy at the airport. The guy even had a WWE book bag on at the airport. I'm like, he's a wrestling fan? He got the man bun. This is cool. I was like, why are you following me? That's why. Like, why are you following me? So I thought of you then, and then I thought of you because you were traveling home to see the folks, family, and everything. And I was like, I don't know why you're subjecting yourself to this. I, I've unfortunately become used to it over the, over the years of figuring out, okay, you have to book these uh, several months in advance, like, <laughs> or else you're just, you're dead. Cause it's the, it's the cost of it. And then it's the pain in the ass of it. So, but yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of flights from my, my family was 
in Colorado. They're now in Texas. And then I was in, I was going to school in Pennsylvania. I was in New York. So it was always like, okay, plan for the three, three and a half hour flight. I don't know. I, I got used to it, I guess. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pain. In the, it's a pain in the butt. Direct flight. You're going to Austin, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. You oh, just can't. You can't. You're fancy, Cole. You're I fancy. mean, look. What, I, what now, airline? Uh, this is, see, this is where you pay for <laughs> yeah. This is where you get, this is where you get hit. I think, yeah, a lot of spirit flights in my, yeah. in my future. <laughs> yeah. So I make it direct, but my butt really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Those seats are not comfortable. That's the way to go, Cole. That's, um, that's but, what hey, I like spirit, to hear. Feel free to sponsor the podcast. Thank you. I would pay good money to see Andreas Hale on a spirit flight. He is the bougiest man I know. I would pay good money for him. If they so, sponsor the show and be like, Andreas, you can take you and the family wherever you want. Here's the free spirit miles. I guarantee you he'd rather pay for a flight like Jeb. He just he he heard this and from where, where wherever he's sitting right now, you you can just hear him just say, Oh hell no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What? You never in his life. I, I highly doubt that man's ever been on a spirit flight. I, I'm not going to bet because my bets never come come out well. But I, I highly doubt this man has ever touched butt to seat on a spirit flight. Me, on the other hand, phone spirit, almost exclusively, for like five years in my twenties, because I didn't have enough money. But Spirit Airlines put everything in my book bag, pay the extra charge. Get the exit row, dare I say, is as good as my Delta Comfort Plus now. Now I'm spoiled. Work, figure flyer miles. You know, I'm, I'm in whatever tier it is, gold member. Like now, now, now I'm spoiled. But what? For like six years, it was all spirit flights, and that's all I knew. That was my first class. Shout out to Spirit, though. They'll let you bring anything on the plane. I jumped on with a rack of ribs once. I, cut, I was a habitual pizza bringer on Spirit Airlines. And I'm not talking like normal pizza, like New York, slice, garlic, oregano, all the fixings on top, smelling up the whole plane. I'd bring Puerto Rican food during the holidays. All that. Shout out to all, um, shout out to all my Puerto Ricans who fly with bateles on deck, packets of ketchup. If you know, you know. I brought... All of that, whatever, I didn't care what I made the plane smell like. I didn't care. Spirit has carried me through some dark days. So I appreciate the, the spirit support there. Now I am fancy. Now I fly Delta and, you know, try to, try to work my way up to get the free first class upgrades. So, yeah, it's a whole, whole different life now. But back in the day, I still hold that appreciation dear. Spirit, where you can't feel your knees, your knees are to your chest. I'm a big dude. I'm like six foot. It's, it's horrible. They always put me. It's very rare that I get anyone that I can sit comfortably next to. I feel like somehow they get my measurables. Like I do a weigh-in for Spirit Airlines the day before, and I step on the scale and everything, and they put me next to someone bigger than me. It's not an easy thing to find. I always end up sitting next to someone who's like 6'4", even if they're like thin, 6'4", and they swing their legs to the side because they can't fit forward. And like, yo, your knees are touching my knees. What is this, third grade? Like, what are we doing? So, yeah, Spirit, Spirit got some things to work out. But if you get this Spirit exit row, oh, you're golden. You're, you're sleeping like a baby on that flight. 
You don't even spirit now. I don't even think they got the the tray tables that come down for food. Do they? I I last time I was on something like that. I think I flew Frontier somewhere, and that was a legit public bus seat. It was it was like I was on the cat bus here in Vegas. There was no difference. It's this is a deep cut. It's when you go to kindergarten back in the day, and they got those like plastic chairs that curved just perfectly. And they're like blue, and then like they were rustic brown for a second. It was those. They have those in an airplane. They have stackable chairs. Yeah, Frontier. Frontier is the worst. Frontier. Spirit is high class compared to Frontier. Frontier is like flying Soul Plane, without the dope amenities. None, none of the gambling caravan. None of the strip clubs in there. Nothing like that. Frontier just takes you. Back to the low class section, they watch that. They're like, Kevin Hart's onto something, and then built an entire plane like that. They give you a napkin and a piece of Popeyes chicken. When they used to give out stuff, they don't even give out stuff. No drinks, no food cart. Last time when I flew flew Frontier, my wife was like, "What is going on here?" Because yes, I took her on the flight with me. Like, I'm not going to suffer alone. This is how you build character and relationship. If your wife can't fly with you on Frontier, my man, she ain't for you. So I brought her on the flight with me, and they had the, you can pay for food and drinks. They had a pamphlet, and I swear to God, at least eight people ordered cup of noodles. And they had a microwave and, like, the tea thing where they make hot tea, and they were making people cup of noodles. And tell me why it smelled like the most delicious thing I've ever smelled. Like, I was like, yo, I haven't had a cup of noodles in years. This smells delicious. And, like, one person got it. People were like, what is that? Then a second person got it. And then it smelled up the whole plane. They ran out of cup of noodles on Frontier Airlines. It was that good smell. Like, incredible. But now, yes, I try not to. Not to cut corners on my travel. Um, Dre has never, never been on spirit. Now I've, now I've talked myself into convincing myself that man has never been on spirit, ever. They don't, they don't have champagne on spirit. And you know he's the guy who sits first class and orders champagne for his flight. You got to put his, his Nike Jordan 2s or Air Max 95s up on something and relax. He probably gets the little joints that recline. He's so bougie. No way. No way that man has ever fallen. I, I feel the look. I feel like he's I, giving you the look from somewhere. From afar. Yeah. The, the graphic in the background is going to turn and look at me and just mean mug me. Um, that's why he looks so angry in that graphic. He knew. Even when he's not here, he had to mean mug me from afar. Because, yeah, nah, no way Dre's flying spirit. So just having this, <laughs> this travel stuff is just so bananas. But... Again, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the years I was on Spirit. I'm thankful for now for being able to fly Delta like a grown human being and, and not have to, you know, be crunched up and have a television in front of me, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's the little things, Cole, the little things that I am thankful for. It brings me to, because we have like a bunch of our award shows coming up and then we have the Jake Paul preview, which is going to be a blur. So we're pre, not pre-taping, but like, going back to, like, recording from home style. And uh, Cole will be on for our wrestling show, by the way. Everyone listening, we're doing our wrestling year-end awards coming up um, in, like, a week. So we have all of that. So we're not going to talk much, like, 
current events during that time. What are your New Year resolutions? Or do you have one? Do you still do New Year resolutions? Do you do a dream board like you're on Pinterest? Like, what, what are we doing here? What is hot in the coal household? Uh, you know, I got to say, the, 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 uh, the bed underneath this control board in this studio where I uh, reside pretty much 24-7, we're looking for an upgrade. And, you know, I tell you what, anyone who has suggestions, please uh, forward to me uh, at Coltrane on Twitter. Yes. Um, uh, that's my New Year's resolution. Get a new bed under here because I just sleep here. That's it. Going to get you a Murphy bed. We're going to bring <laughs> those back. Something that just folds out from the studio wall. We had, we had, we had the, uh, the, whole, the whole Blue Wire uh, staff out here recently. Shout out to everybody at the Blue Wire Network. And I kept joking that the consoles, the computers in here, um, and all the servers and like the rack would just like pull out and they just, you know, it was like a futon. Yeah. We'll build you like a tiny house. Yeah. Like we're on HDTV. Nice. That whole wall, like you guys can't see this. I love it. But there's this. a whole wall of control panel and it's perfect for like a full size bed. That whole thing just fold, fold right over. Boom. Right there. Yeah. You got plenty of entertaining TVs. We got the bar out there and a bunch of dope water selections. And there's always potato chips. You look fine in here, Cole. I was going to say, yeah, I make it sound so bad. And then it's like, this is the Blue Wire Studios <laughs> in the Wynn Resort. Wynn. There are worse places. Yeah, it's like be. Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for you. Disney like, Channel. Yeah. Give us a call. And once again, more sponsors. This is, what, this is all I'm doing here. If, if I'm going to be talking on the podcast, just trying to sell. Yeah, we're just trying to sell the show here. That's it. Shameless plugs. Absolutely. What, what, what's, what's, what's your New Year's resolution? My New Year's resolution. So every year, I, I honestly do. Like, I'm, I'm weird about this. I have, because I don't write anything down, because my penmanship is atrocious. I haven't written something in like a decade. But I have my notes in my phone. And every year, I'll just go in, and I'll put the top, you know, whatever it is. Last year was 2021. And then I'll write like three or four things in there. And just stuff I want to do in this next year. Whether it's attainable or not attainable, I try to keep it like reasonable, small goals every year. And most of the time, I hit those goals. Like this year, New Year's resolution, um, in a non-cheesy, let me go spend whatever little money in my bank on a Peloton way. I just want to like, cool, like let me lose 30 pounds. Um, there's some beautiful cameras in here. Cameras do add 10 pounds. See this, people? It's like 10 pounds. This plus 10 pounds less is what uh, I look like in real life. I need to be this and 40 pounds less. So I was like, cool, let me drop some weight next year, um, especially in the beginning of the year. I'll be traveling less. Let me go. Let me get up. I hate running, but I'm going to go. I'll, I'll run a little bit, hit the weights. Eating good is pretty easy for me. So just, you know, lifestyle changes. The diet's been pretty cool. I haven't gained the weight back I just lost over the summer. So it's like, let me do that again. Shave off another 30 real quick. Um also, being more fit will impress my wife, I'm hoping, and then further distract her from my wardrobe choices. So, like, when Dre is like, don't you want to look good for your wife? Yes, I'm going to shave 30 pounds off, and I'm going to look like 2021 lean biggie. Like, now I look at, like, 2014, you know, NXT biggie minus the, the giant pectorals. But I got that width to me. See, I need, I need to go... See, this is how he became. He was like, you know what? I want to be world champ. I got to be lean. I got to drop like 30. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to drop the 30 real quick. Be, be lean, hot take, 
machine cow right here. So um, human hot take machine. Like I got to get a singlet for that. You know, all this got to fit in the same. I got to you know make sure I look good in that for whenever we pull out the human hot take machine with the with the jumbotron and everything. Um, I feel like that's that's in our future for 2022. So 30 pounds down. Then um, in terms of work, I just have to. A lot of people are like, oh, do you want like work life balance? No, I want to work more. So I just got to figure out um, a better way of working my schedule so I can do a few things that I have proposed to ESPN, but I can only do those if I have time and I prove I can have time. So I have to um, work life balance in that way. So I have to be more efficient with how I spend my time at work so I can have these other opportunities. So that's um, on my sheet as well, teaching myself that, which is a learned skill. Like time management is a learned skill that I've always sucked at. So <laughs> I have to change that in terms of being an adult. Then my last one is, I don't know if it counts as resolution, but every year on this sheet, I always put something wildly expensive that I don't need in life. Like I've done it since I was broke. Like So even if it's outside of my means, I want to do something wildly stupid and expensive every year because it gives me a reason to earn more money and get like a higher status. So um, this year, COVID kind of wrecked that. I wanted my house, didn't get it, whatever. I've actually put the house to the back burner. Cool. This year, I am now debating, Cole. I've been on websites all the time. I think I've wanted an Audi coupe forever, two-door Audi. Mind you, between me and my wife, we got five kids. I don't care if they walk. I don't care if they're on the bus. I want an Audi coupe. I don't want four seats. I want two max. One of y'all can ride with me. They're all almost grown. They got licenses. One person can ride with me. That's it. So I've been heart set on getting this Audi. I, I'm pretty sure I can go and get it, like, at the top of the year. But then I went to New York. I was uh, with a great friend of mine, former colleague, former boss at ESPN, New York Rick. Shout out to him. He's on Ariel's podcast every week and with MMA fighting now. I was chilling with New York Rick. He comes. He scoops me up from the hotel. And all this time we've worked together, I've known him. I've, we've never really had to drive in his car. We travel. We get Ubers. We do this. He picks me up in his car because he lives in Queens. He has a Tesla. It's like last year's Tesla. And for the first time, he has me second-guessing my Audi because I think I want a Tesla now. But that's on my list. So now my last thing on my New Year's resolution says Audi, question mark, question mark, question mark. Tesla, shrug emoji. So that's, that's, that's on the bottom. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I will have one of them by the end of this year just because that's how I roll, man. I just want to set those goals that are attainable but a little further out. Um, and, yeah, like it's probably a horrible habit. But when you're broken, you're paycheck to paycheck, that like – that you sweating what you're going to do builds character. So I need like a car payment that'll just like keep me grounded and be like, you know what? I shouldn't pay this much for this lease, but it's going to make me really work hard. My third check of every month. Let's, let's do this. So that's, that's my goal. I think the Tesla's weighing on me. So um, yeah, those are my three new year's resolutions. And then of course it's not a resolution, but the, the show is going to get bigger and better. And that's thanks to you guys uh, a lot of the time. You know, like 
we have the graphic now. We have the studio. Um, people can listen from the outside. They can watch. That's amazing. We now have the, the entrance way graphic where you just come and you, you scan the little QR code and automatically you're at the, the website for the Corner Podcast. And you can follow and subscribe and do all the other cool stuff. So um, we have live show capabilities, all of this stuff, guests every week. We're, we're really rolling. And just in our small time of being in the studio, which I think is three months now, so much has happened and the show has grown so much that now it's like, cool, we're going to take it to the next level. So I, I feel like 2022 is that next level of growth. You know, for the pod, we're going into year seven as a podcast. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see another level, another jump. If this was New Japan Pro Wrestling, we would no longer you know, be like a young boy in New Japan. Like, it's, it's cool. We'd be out of the dojo. We'd be showing yo. Like, we'd be opening Wrestle Kingdom in some type of round-robin tag match. Like, we're, we're working our way up there. And then, you know, sooner or later, we'll, we'll be at the top. We'll be young bucking it, <laughs> like, as they say. So, yeah, we're, we're growing. I appreciate everything where it's going. Um, it's it's going to be fun. So, hopefully you guys... You know, grow with us. Drop me your New Year's resolutions. Um, just stuff you want to accomplish next year. Just because saying it out loud does so much. Putting it out there, speaking it into existence adds accountability to yourself. It really does put it out in the universe. The universe will give it back to you. I'm a huge believer in that. Um, you guys heard my story. I went, decided to choose communications in my major. Looked up at the screen, saw ESPN. I was like, I'm going to work there one day. I said I was going to work there by the time I was 30. I was 30 years old in three months when I got hired. Like, just speaking into existence, knowing that it's going to happen. All of these things help so much. So make sure you drop it to us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you guys listen. Um, just say it. Tell someone you're listening to this podcast with. Say it to a friend. Make sure that you get those resolutions out in there because they really will happen for you the more that you speak it into existence. So appreciate you guys, again, for listening this entire year. Nothing but great things ahead. Next year, this year's not done. We still have all of our award shows. We still, the old man comes back to talk Jake Paul later in the week. Still plenty of great shows this year, but I felt like I'm here. I got the mic to myself. I could make sure that I share that with all of you guys and just really share our appreciation as an entire podcast, as Blue Wire Network, as all of this to you because you are the ones that make it happen the listeners, the followers, everyone, the Corner Club who's been here for so many years. Appreciate all of you guys. Don't go anywhere, though. We're going to hit a quick break. When we come back, it's time to actually talk combat sports. I'm going to break down UFC 269, and then after that, our last segment, we'll talk about what's left in MMA, what to look forward to next year, and all that good jazz. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this break. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes. And we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everyone, we are back. Time to talk UFC and MMA. 
I literally just found out in the break that the UFC has another card um, this weekend. So you guys in this segment after this will get my true predictions without looking into this or learning anything about anyone on that main card. And we're just going to see what's going down because I haven't even looked at the card yet. That's how zoned in I've been on this Jake Paul and stuff, which we'll talk about on a different episode. But I cover this for a living. I should know these guys. I can make an educated prediction. Um, don't run and bet on any of this that I say in the, the last segment, though. Last week, call as we go through this. Shout out to everyone at WinBet. Shout out to the pod. Shout out to everyone for having me on. I made one very good prediction, and I made one very horrible prediction for them. But my main event prediction was spot on. I did not tell them who to bet on, but I told them the fight is going to end one of two ways. Either by Poirier knockout, if you wanted to bet Poirier, bet knockout. Or it was going to be Oliveira by submission. If you wanted to bet Oliveira as underdog, bet him by submission because you win a lot more money off of that line than you would just straight up for him to win. We understand now Oliveira won by submission. And it wasn't rocket science. These guys combined has the highest finishing rate of any title fight in UFC history. Oliveira has the most finishes in UFC history and the most submissions. It was like if one plus one equals two, why rock the boat? We know how this fight was going. We'll talk about the main event shortly. I want to go through some of the other fights on the card mentioned already. Tai Tuivasa, what a knockout. Shuey aside, the man has power. He's really focused now. He's calculated, showed the conditioning to really carry all of that energy, all of that power into the second round, which is key at heavyweight. A lot of times you come out heavyweight, you slug him for the whole first round. That's all you got. Then you're going to go to a boring three-round decision. Now with Ty, he showed that the power carried over, really set up Sakai, got the knockout, amazing fight there. Then we see Bruno Silva knock out Jordan Wright in the fight before that. I'm not counting this against the corner record because Jordan Wright was on the pod. The fight got delayed, and then now got knocked out. So as unfortunate as that may be for the Beverly Hills Ninja, does not count against our record. I'm holding to that. Um, but he lost in, in that one to start off the prelims there. Then we had Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz. Dominic Cruz does what Dominic Cruz does. Like, Dominic Cruz loses, if he does lose, at the highest level. No matter how much time away from the octagon, no matter, you know, his age now at this point, even though, like Andreas said last time we talked about this, he doesn't have the miles on his body yet. But the age, no matter what it is, if you're not a title holder or a guy right there, you are not beating Dominic Cruz. You, you're just not. He's that much better than everyone else in the division. So with that, we saw Dominic Cruz. He works his way into a position. Now we're looking around, and what me and Andreas talked about last time, we talked MMA, can come to fruition. It's time for Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo. Because when you get Aldo versus Cruz, this was a dream fight years ago. But now they're at the position in their career where it's like, one of you probably are going to get another title shot before this is all said and done. Both of you probably aren't. Let's figure it out. Who is it going to be? And it's easy. Instead of waiting for someone else to be one of them or father time to catch up, no, let's get this matchup now. You are both off of wins, both looking good in those wins. 
Let's get after it. So I think that's on the table going forward. And, and man, I'd be so excited to see, see that fight. Um, Josh Emmett beat Dan Edge. I mean, Josh Emmett's just fun to watch, right? Like, this went to distance. Still a fun fight. Um, Josh Emmett, I can't believe he only has two losses. I feel like every fight he's in is just a brawl. But now he's on a four-fight winning streak. Hasn't lost since he got knocked out by Jeremy Stevens um, in 2018. So, I mean, Emmett's working his way right back up. Uh, good fight. I, I feel like the whole undercard kind of delivered. Like, it, it was cool. I would have, I mean, I don't know why Dominic Cruz wasn't the headliner. I mean, Dominic Cruz, for whatever he is, he is more of a name than Josh Emmett. <laughs> but, I mean, here we are. Josh Emmett wins just decisions after starting off with two really good um, finishes to start off the card. But then we get to the main card. Main card delivered. Four out of five fights. Didn't go to the judges. Action all the way throughout. Starting with it's the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. I'm not going to say that they're feeding him cans because there's, there's not boxing. I'll tell you that. There's no cans in the UFC. Boxing, you can find cans. You can find cab drivers. You, you can knock out the, the guy at the buffet next door. Like, <laughs> trust me, he probably fought Wilder somewhere in, in those first 25 fights. There's cans in boxing. There's no cans in the UFC. Everyone is proven before they get into those doors. Now, there are levels to this. And Sean O'Malley has proven he's at a different level to this game. So is he fighting people where he should be? Top 10? Top 15? No. But, man, he looks great fighting these guys. And we get into this fight, first round knockout of Paeva. And O'Malley is never in danger. He's so fluid. He has everything it takes by the eye test to be a star. It's just what's going to happen when he fights better caliber fighters. And how will he take a loss? Not, not a broken ankle loss. You know, like, because I don't want to say he's Connor. <laughs> like, Connor is blaming that last loss to Dustin on the ankle. And it looks like I'm not sure if Connor had much of a chance in that fight anyway. But with. Sean, it was like, okay, the ankle played a, a decent part in his loss. It was a pretty even fight before the ankle. Ankle snaps his wrap. So he had to, or foot tear, whatever it was. Um, he had to rehab that, get surgery, come back. And he's looked great since. Does a stupid basketball celebration with the jump shots. He's entertaining. But now you got to go up it and, and try your hand as someone at that higher level again and see what you have. And I would like for the UFC to next... Even if they're building him like a boxing guy, that's great. Same thing I say with Javante Davis. It's okay to feed these highlights to a young kid, to get a lot of highlights on his reel, his resume, to boost um, just the persona, the make him look larger than life, make him look like he's the most powerful, he has the most powerful punch. That is fine. But sooner or later, every now and then, you got to give him a real test just to make sure he's still the real deal. So once every four fights, once every three fights in the UFC, four for Tank, you got to give him someone real. I thought Leo Santa Cruz was real for Tank, even though he was you know, undersized or whatever. Leo Santa Cruz is a real champion in multiple weight classes. I was like, cool, 
That was a real fight. Tank struggled. You know, it was even. I wouldn't say he struggled. It was an even fight for Tank to start off. Eighth round, he took the man's head off. It was an uppercut. Cool. I need to see the same, same from the Sugar Show. I need to see O'Malley go in there, top 11, maybe 10, 9, ranked guy, knock him out, struggle a little bit, come back from adversity, get the second round knockout or something, then cool, then fight number 15, 14, 13. Okay, cool, now we're going to jump to six. Then you can go back and fight number seven, number eight. Cool, now we're going to jump to two. And then you're not going to go back and fight anybody because after you knock out two or whoever it is, you go right into the title picture. But you can then not give him a grappler. Not give him someone, you know, give him someone matched in the top five that works for him. And you only got to beat them once. So it's one of those things where I can see how they're building him. But now it's time for a test. And then you can come back to this. Because he is a guy who sells units. Putting him on a pay-per-view is smart. Nothing wrong with what they're doing. But now it's time for him to get a real test. Then, second fight at night, Kai Carl France versus Cody Garbrandt. We see a guy going opposite direction. Cody Garbrandt needs a change of scenery. I'm not, I never advocate for people to get fired or lose their job or whatever. At least not young people. So, some older people, I'd be like, yeah, it's time to go. But when you look at Cody, it's like he's not old yet. The UFC at the top is too tough for what's left of his chin. He doesn't have the chin to fight top five guys. Not right now. Maybe not ever again. Very few people get the luxury of sliding back after being a champion. Of sliding back and fighting a guy in the top 15, top 10. The UFC has given him nothing but top five guys the past three years. Can't handle them anymore. Move down a division. They thought that would help. He can't handle them anymore. He can't do it. It's, it's knockout or be knocked out. And more often than not, he is knocked out. You need to, I mean, I'm not saying they never do it. We've seen it with Cowboy Cerrone several times. Slide him back. Fight someone who's at 10. Not a young kid who's spry and might kick your head off. Fight another veteran at 10. Cool, now work back up to like seven. And, and build your chin in that confidence. Because right now he has no confidence. He's been left face down several times. O'Malley would have took his face off. And O'Malley afterwards, it was funny because Garbrandt tweeted when O'Malley um, lost his fight due to foot injury. He's like, there's levels to this. And then Sean O'Malley returned the favor. After this, he was getting interviewed backstage Saw Garbrandt get knocked out. He was like, man, there's levels to this game. And then, like, gave a little wink and walked off. But O'Malley would have starched him because Garbrandt doesn't have the chin for that anymore. So Cody needs a reset. Cody would be good pulling an Anthony Pettis or, you know, trying and going to PFL, try to catch out on a mill. Um, Cody, Cody wouldn't be good going to Beldesor because you, you look at Pitbull, you look at, just all, all the guys over there in 135, it's, it's tough sledding. A.J. McKee, the champ now, they would rush him too, and he'd get starched. <laughs> so, nah, Cody can't go over there either. Instead, I think Cody stays in the UFC, still has drawing power. 
it just slides down. Let them main event a, a fight night. You know, not a pay-per-view card against someone. Stay in this division. If you can make the weight, stay in the division. Stay at flyweight because it's an easier shot to the top at flyweight. It's not a deep division. But have them fight someone that isn't Kai Car friends. Even though Kai Car friends lost nine times. So, I mean, the guy is, is beatable. Um, got submitted, what, he's lost one fight in his past six, though? Like, he figured it out. The fight he lost before then, so he's 5-1 and one in his last six. And then in 2019, oh, excuse me, he is 5-2 and two in his last seven. One of those losses was to Brandon Moreno, the champion now. So it's like, at the time, we're like, why did he lose to Brandon Moreno? Brandon Moreno is a champion. And then the other time, he gets submitted. So it's like, all right, can't really knock that. And that's by uh, Royval. So it's like he's fought tough competition. He's handled a lot of people. His Cody Garbrandt win is huge for him. And then now he can start talking title opportunities or go, and go against Royval, run that back if he avenges that loss. Cool, we in there. He's right there because Moreno's his only other loss. But for Cody, he needs a hard reset. And, like, I don't want to say time – is passing him by, but he's starting to look a lot like Buster Douglas, where you you won the big one. I'm not sure you're going to win anything like that ever again. Like, that was it. But you could say you were a champion. But, it yeah, it might might be grand opening, grand closing for Cody Garbrandt in terms of title opportunities. Next fight, Jeff Neal versus Ponzinibbio. Jeff Neal did what he had to do. I mean... Because Ponzinibbio just got to make it ugly. <laughs> don't, don't take too many chances. Um, don't go crazy. Stay within your game. So Jeff Neal wins that one. Not shiny enough or sexy enough to, to really move up in the welterweight dis- division for me. Um, welterweight, again, even though the champion in Usman has run through everyone. So it's like sooner or later, if you're ranked seven, you're probably going to get a title shot because – Man, he's beat everyone else one through six some multiple times. So it's like, cool, I mean, I guess. But Jeff Neal did nothing to, like, really be like, ooh, I want to see him fight for the title. So Jeff Neal, okay, cool, went to the decision, the only decision on the main card. And then we have the co-main event, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. I'll start by saying this. Juliana Pena was 100% right and i never saw it i never thought of it until she won and she was right because the whole time she was like i'm gonna put amanda on the ground and when she's on the ground she panics and she quits i'm not saying amanda nunez quit even though that choke was not deep but she's not comfortable down there and i'm like that's so weird she has like Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt or something crazy. But what you do in training is not what you do in the octagon in a high-pressure situation. Don't, the last time Amanda Nunez lost was because she was put on the ground and stopped with ground and pound. And she was not comfortable off of her back. She was not comfortable not being in control. So we get into this fight, and for the first round, Juliana Pena standing and st- throwing bombs, bombs with Amanda Nunez. And then this lets me know, uh, 
I'm not sure this is the best Amanda Nunez this night. I looking at her, it didn't look like she was like in the best of shape for this fight. She gassed right after the first round, late in the first round. She was eating jabs like she couldn't even pick her hands up to block. And I'm like, yo, the gas tank is gone already? That's the Amanda Nunez we saw in 2017, where the gas tank wasn't there. You take her two rounds, three rounds, she can't keep up. That was the way to beat her, survive. The first round, and you're golden. She hadn't been that. She's been amazing gas tank. She's gone the distance. She's... She's shown everything you want to see out of a champion since. This fight, she reversed course. And I don't know why. But we didn't see the best version of Amanda Nunez. We didn't see the Amanda Nunez we've seen the past four years. And maybe fighting at 145 and then coming back to 135 and then 145 and then coming back to 135, maybe that takes a toll on someone. Maybe her body doesn't want to make the weight cut anymore. Maybe 135... The way she's cutting it, it's just not working. Maybe she's permanently a 145-pound champion. And that'd be fair. But Juliana Pena was confident the entire time. And Pena knew how to beat her. She took the punches, waited out the first round, looked around, like, I didn't get knocked out. She's tired. I don't think she's going to knock me out now. Now I can be aggressive. Gets Amanda on the ground, closes the distance so well in the second because she didn't fear getting knocked out. Is able to take Amanda to the ground, immediately gets her back, and Amanda's like, oh. I, Amanda looked like Conor McGregor looked against Nate Diaz in the first fight where Conor's piecing up Nate, Amanda was piecing up Pena. She runs out of gas, and then Nate was like, oh, I took all of Conor's punches. Now it's time for me to give him punches. And Connor wanted out of the fight due to endurance, due to being tired, instead of due to getting knocked down and really being dominated. And that's what I saw from Amanda Nunez. She wanted out of there because of the fatigue, because of the gas tank. So as soon as her back was taken and she knew she was going down to the ground, she didn't fight. She didn't try to, you know, posture up and, and kind of shrug Pena off of her shoulders and make her fall down. No. She got her back. She let Pena get one hook in. Maybe she had like half a hook in. Flanned Amanda out. Got the choke in under the chin. But it was really just a face crank. And Amanda tapped before she could even see what was happening. Before it was remotely deep. And then we have the second biggest upset in UFC women's history. Only behind only behind Ronda Rousey getting her face kicked off by Holly Holm, in which the UFC at the time signed Holly Holm to beat Ronda Rousey. That was going to be Ronda Rousey's kryptonite. Oh, wow, you, you signed a multiple-division boxer who also has an amazing kickboxing background to go against Ronda Rousey, who was really only good on the ground. And then we get the head movement and all that, and then next thing you know, it's the biggest upset in UFC history, but it shouldn't have been that big of an upset. Holly Holm was tailor-made made for that fight and made for Ronda Rousey. This, this is a bigger upset in my book because Juliana Pena did not look like a world beater in her fights before this. But she was confident, and she knew the game plan to beat Amanda Nunez. And that's why becoming a champ, a lot of people become a champ. Staying a champ is the hardest thing you can do is because now year-round, six opponents are preparing to beat you. 
you can only prepare so long for your next opponent. You can't look at six other people and prepare to be them. You only get a window of like three months to prepare for who you're going to fight. They prepare since you won the title three years ago on how to beat you. They prepare for their next opponent and how to beat you. When they don't have an opponent yet, they're studying you because they're going to get the title shot in their mind. That's why what Kamaru Usman does is so amazing. What Israel Adesanya is doing is so amazing. What John Jones did his whole career in the octagon, not outside of it, is so amazing. Because from the get, people have been training for you for years. John Jones, people have been training for him for nine years now. Nine. Light heavyweight division didn't know another champion until John Jones vacated and DC came back. People trained for John. I mean, there's fighters in the division now who are 21, 22. They were eight years old the last time John wasn't the champion of that division. Like, it's crazy how time passes. And same thing for Usman now. Now he's a champion for years, three years. Everyone's preparing for his style. He has to constantly reinvent himself. Israel Adesanya, everyone's going to try to do the same thing Jan did. Survive the, the pressure, take him down, win a couple of rounds, and beat Israel Adesanya. There's a blueprint. Everyone's going to be training for that now. So Amanda Nunez got caught up in not reinventing herself and doing the same thing she did against Cyborg, the same thing she did against Rousey, the same thing she's done for two or three years now. So everyone's like, oh, I got the blueprint for that. I've been looking at this for three years. I got that. I know how to stop that. So Amanda Nunez gets tripped up. She says she wants the immediate rematch. She's going to go chill with the fam, readjust, figure out what went wrong. Hopefully the conditioning gets a little better. She wants to run it back. And she has a chance. But she has to stay off of the ground. She has to come into the fight in better shape. And she has to be smarter in conserving her energy against Pena and using some defense, not getting punched in the face to give a punch. Slip some punches. There's, there's more than enough people willing to train with you. Go and train with Clarissa Shields just on the feet. Get some of those rounds in. You know, go, go and get some different work. Shevchenko might be willing to be like, all right, cool, let's get some sparring sessions in. Learn how to be a defensive fighter with a lot of stuff coming back at you. Because that's what she needs to do. Take less punishment. Give the punishment when it's there. Save your energy. And she can have a chance in the rematch. For now, though, Juliana Pena is on top of the world. She's a champion. No one thought she was going to be a champion. If Nunez wants the rematch, she'll get it. But Pena also has a lot of other options. Jermaine Duranime was the one, the last one to beat her before then. She could try to run that back. She has a loss to Shevchenko. That's a champion versus champion fight, which is very appealing. Could make Shevchenko a two-division champion, which he's tried for before against Nunez. It came up short. Pena is a much better matchup for her, her, in my opinion. I think Shevchenko handles her the same if that fight is next. So, I mean, Pena is going to cash out. Like, she's, she's living like she should. She's not supposed to be the champ. She told everyone she was going to be. Live that champ life and enjoy it. But again, the bullseye's on her now. And we've got to see how she adapts going forward. And then last but not least, the main event, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. I thought Dustin would win. I didn't want to be disrespectful to Oliveira, but again, he got rocked by Michael Chandler in that fight. Came back, 
was able to stop Chandler. He's been hit a lot in other fights. I've seen him stop before. You know, stuff clicks. Like, MMA is a weird sport. When it clicks, it clicks. And people could go on runs of three, four, five years of just being unbeatable. And that's where Charles Oliveira is now. Because he's always been the best on the mat. Now, his chin shows that he can take anything while standing. And that's a dangerous combination. You can take your best while standing. You can't stop him. I don't know how your chin gets better and stronger, but this guy's figured it out. And then he has enough striking to give you a problem until he can take you down, and then you're in a world of hurt. Against Dustin Poirier, he didn't even have to take him to the ground. All he did was get close enough to spin, get close to Poirier's back, and jump on him like a spider monkey. He just went, latched on like a jam sport, played the backpack game, choked him out. Dustin Poirier never hit the ground. Tapped while standing against the cage. Because Oliver is that good of a submission specialist. You don't even have to be on the ground for him to submit you. And now we're looking at Charles Oliveira's career. Most finishes in UFC history. He is most submissions in UFC history with 15. Um, most finishes, I believe, right now with 18 in his career. He has the third most wins in UFC history behind, behind Cowboy and uh, I forgot the other person in front of him. But he's like two away from the most wins in UFC history. We are looking at a UFC Hall of Famer. But one that completely snuck up on us. Like, it's one where you look on paper and be like, Oliveira, Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer already. And one hell of a champion. And now you look down the list and you're like, cool, Dustin, I don't, I don't know what's next for Dustin. I mean, for you lose here, you're not getting another title shot anytime soon. I think his best bet is to campaign for the Connor fight and just say, you know what? Let's do it again. We thought the last time was a fluke. So let's say we are one, one and one, like a no contest due to the ankle, even though it was awarded to Poirier. So let's say we're one, one and one. All right, Connor, let's do this because you're going to make a lot of money. I think he still believes he's going to knock out Connor because Connor's not going to choke him out. So Poirier's path to redemption, to more money, is still there. You go get that, that Connor McGregor fight before Nate. Somehow talks his way into it. For Oliveira, I think the path is also pretty clear. I think next has to be Justin Gaethje. And again, Gaethje could probably be submitted. I mean, we've seen him versus Habib. Habib's a different level, different animal. Oliveira versus Habib would have been very interesting. I think Habib still does the same thing to him, but he got to worry a lot more about being submitted in some weirdness while he's on the ground pummeling Oliveira. But still, I, I think he pummels Oliveira. But Oliveira, in this case, has proven himself to be the second best guy at that weight class we've seen in a very long time. Justin Gaethje, though, is, is, was weird because when he... Other people have had Oliveira hurt, but he goes to the ground, he's able to survive, he understands how to get out of the round, he regroups. Justin Gaethje is just smarter than that. Justin Gaethje will step back, let you get up, come back, and he's like a wolverine. He is on you as soon as he gets you hurt. And if you don't got the power or land the perfect punch to hurt him back, you're going to be in a world of trouble. Not to mention the leg kicks, which, I mean, you could work every submission you want in the book. If you got one leg, those become exponentially harder. So that matchup is like, yeah, Oliveira should be the favorite. 
We've seen Justin Gaethje lose. Justin Gaethje has the ability to knock out anyone on any given night. And he's shown the ability to be smarter, to not walk into stuff. The common calculated Justin Gaethje we've seen lately is a dangerous man. So I want to see it. Oliveira should be the favorite. He could very well submit Justin Gaethje. But I love every fight Justin Gaethje is in. The man's crazy. And again, he doesn't like going to the judges. So you got another one of those most finishes ever versus a guy who is coming in to finish or be finished. It's a match made in heaven. So I think that should be the next fight. Um, then we have Islam Makachev who, you know, going against Benil Dariush early on in the year, and Habib is really campaigning for him to get a title shot. If you want to do that after, then fine. If not, Islam's not leaving anywhere. He's not leaving the UFC. Even if he beats Dariush and he doesn't get a title shot after that, he has to earn one more, fine by me too. Let him go against a Michael Chandler or someone like that. And if you want for any reason to give Conor McGregor a title shot, if he fights Poirier and for some reason wins, I'm not counting on that at this point in his career, but let's say he does. Cool, you can put him in a title shot against Oliveira next summer. Or against Justin Gaethje, whoever wins that fight next summer. So, I mean, there's tons of paths to go. As we're standing here, about to enter 2022, the end of 2021, when we're here next year, end of 2022, entering 2023, Islam's going to be the champion. I don't know the path that it'll take to get there. Oliveira may still very well be champ by that time. I don't care who it is. I think Islam's the champion this time next year. And I think we're having another reign like Habib had. And where we're just having another Habib clone for the next. I don't know. It took Honestly, Habib was riddled with injuries in what would be many people's primes, 25 through 30. And then when he came back, he always had to prove himself more and then he'd get injured. And it took a long time to, for him to really get his full title shot. Defended it four times and then retired. It's I'm so young. If he gets his hand on the belt, he has eight years to run. I'm not saying that he's going to be champ for eight years. Everyone gets stopped sooner or later. But it's just one of those things where it's like, man, if, if he's as good as Habib says, he, he has a lot of time to run with it. So I think he's champion this time next year. We'll see how that plays out. But that's UFC 269 in a nutshell. It's a great card. Plenty, plenty to look forward to next year. Let's actually hit the break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about a fight that was announced, Israel Adesanya versus Whitaker, announced for next year. And we'll also preview the card that I just found out about this weekend from the UFC, um, which is going down. UFC Fight Night here from Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, we are back and locked in for the home stretch. Time to just preview some UFC stuff. 
we had Israel Adesanya versus Whitaker 2 confirmed during the pay-per-view, um, which is a fight we've all been looking forward to, of course, because Whitaker's just been on a tear since losing to Adesanya. Adesanya actually has more losses than Whitaker since that fight because he went out, lost to Jan. But Adesanya looked great last time out, returning to defend his title at middleweight. What's weird to me is that it's February 12th in Houston. And, Cole, we talked about you going home to Texas. You know, I don't know how many Australians are in Texas. I don't know if it's a hotbed for the Australian community here in the United States. I wouldn't venture that it's an easy place to get to, traveling-wise, for the Australian and New Zealand community. I'm not sure why it's in Houston. It seems like L.A. may be more fitting. Um, I don't think, to my knowledge, I'm not like the end-all, be-all UFC people. I'm not sure if they've had a Utah card before. I don't think they've had a Utah pay-per-view but I know the Pali community, the island community, um, the Maori community, like tons of people from New Zealand, um, all that stuff. People got family, Samoan culture, all this good stuff. They're, that that whole following, um, there's a ton of people in Utah from whether you're Samoan, whether you're from New Zealand, whether you're from Australia. Utah seems to have a very big community. I went to school in Utah um, for... Just the culture, I feel like that would have been a dope place to have the pay-per-view. I don't know why you're locked into Houston, but Salt Lake City has a perfectly fine arena. The Jazz play there all the time. It would have been a cool excuse to get something up there and have a, a different venue for the fight that probably would have done a really big gate. So when I was thinking, I was like, Houston? Not LA. Not Vegas even. Houston? Like we, We've seen them in Houston before. They kind of forced um, the Black Beast to go and fight there for the title and everything. And um, Cyril Game beat him just, you know, for the heavyweight interim title because that was in Houston. I'm not sure the attachment or why they continue to force feed pay-per-view cards in Houston. They must be getting a crazy chat from the venue. That's the only thing I can think of because there's no reason why Adesanya and Whitaker, one, shouldn't be in Australia unless there's like a travel ban. Maybe I'm not privy to that. But understanding how the world goes, cool. But that's not a city where I'm just like, yeah, they love Adesanya. Like, no, I, I don't, unless they got, like, metrics on their back end that say, like, you know what? Those Houston people love Izzy, and they love anime. Like, I, I, I don't know. Are there just a huge gaming community? Like you're you're a gamer, Cole. Like, is there a hot bed of people I challenging think anyone you? who goes into the Houston market's just trying to get the Travis Scott market? I feel like that's that's where you got to go, right? That's fair. I mean, what we saw that ended up. That's not really the market matchup. You know, I have no idea. Don't I tap into lo- that currently. I was looking at time zones to just be like, does that make sense? And yeah, like, like, like time zones favorable, but like it would be favorable just about anywhere else. Anywhere on the West Coast should work the same. It it makes little sense to me. Um, yeah, and we talked about the Travis Scott and, you know, his concert and everything. Granted, they have basketball there all the time, um, but their basketball team is horrible, so I'm not going to count that as, like, a large gathering of, of folks because I'm, I'm sure they don't sell out. Um, to sell out a building there has to be scary for, like, the community or if you're going for that age bracket specifically. It's like, 
the last time we were around a bunch of people this young and like you're carrying some like emotions over to that so weird I don't, I don't know. It has to be some type of site fee. We're going to chalk this one up to cash. cash. Man, so they'll probably have Derek Lewis on this card as well. They'll, they'll try to put some Texas people on it to fill it out. Um, that's the only way it makes sense to me. Going to be an amazing fight, though. So looking forward to the fight, see if Whitaker can change anything. Adesanya had him timed pretty easily and kind of toyed with him on that first fight fight where Adesanya won the belt so now it's like okay Whitaker back to the drawing board I'm sure he's making some changes I'm sure he's going to shoot for more takedowns to try to make this uh, a game on the ground and steal rounds that way the less time Izzy is at range and on his feet the, the better chance you got so it's probably a fight looking at it two months in advance now they expect to go to distance I don't think Adesanya knocks him out again but I still don't necessarily see a way for Whitaker to win so we'll we'll see if that changes as time you know goes forward. Maybe we see a bunch more upsets, and I'm just like, you know what? It's the year of the upsets. Give me Whitaker to beat. I don't know, but this is is one I'm looking forward to to see how that one plays out. On this card this weekend, though, talking about Derek Lewis, he's fighting this weekend, so it'd be a quick turnaround for him. He's main eventing this card, but as we're going through the card, Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins. Interesting. I mean, Cub Swanson is another guy who was like, you know, Cub is still around, but he got stopped in his last fight um, after he's like on a, a one win, one loss, one win, one loss. So technically this should be his win, but I, I still don't see it. I think Darren Elkins beats Cub Swanson this weekend. Um, then we have Carlos Diego Ferreira versus Gamrot. Um, man, it's a good fight at lightweight. Oh, uh, give me, yeah, I don't know. Give me Carlos in that one. That's a toss-up fight. I mean, both guys, let me dig into this. Carlos coming off a knockout loss to Gillespie and Darius. So, I mean, two tough fights in a row, doing him no favors. I remember the Pettis fight where he beat Pettis, so that's still in my mind. But that recent record is kind of scary to me. Um, Gamrot, in the recent joint, just submitted Jeremy Stevens, knocked out Holtzman. Yeah, let me flip my pick. Um, yeah, I'm flipping it. Carlos is now going to lose. Put me on the record for that, Cole. Um, next fight up, Rafael Asensio versus Ricky Simon. This would be a great fight if this was like 2015. Like, I feel like this is one where I was like, man, these, these guys. Um, Ricky Simon's still kind of young, but uh, two-fight winning streak. Brian Kelleher was his last win. Ray Borg is on this streak. Okay, I feel like he's riding the momentum. Give me Ricky Simon to win a decision against Rafael Asensio this upcoming weekend. Then we have Angie Hill, Amanda Lemos. Like, Angie Hill's just a personal favorite all the time. Amanda, a great streak, just knocking everyone out. Uh, two straight amazing knockouts, but Angie is as tough as they come. I hate picking against Angie, but she's always on, like, the wrong end of these things. She's always exciting. She's always there. She just lost to Tisha Torres. Uh, 
I just think there's levels to this, and this might be just a notch above the level where Angie Hill is right now. So give me Amanda Lemos to win this one. It hurts my heart picking against Angie. She's so cool. Talking about a gamer, an anime nerd. Like, she's, she's one of us. Cool peoples. we got to have her on the show um, one of these days. I'm actually reach out to UFC. Maybe they have her for this week. Maybe we'll have her on the show Wednesday. I'll reach out and see, see what's good. But uh, Angie's always great. But I'll take Amanda in this one. Komain, Wonder Boy versus Bilal Muhammad. It's so hard to solve the puzzle that is Wonder Boy. It's a three-round fight. I understand he just lost to Gilbert Burns. But we just talked about Jeff Neal not so long ago. He beat Jeff Neal. Ben, beat Vincente Luque. <laughs> Showtime Pettis, his last win was against Wonder Boy. But he caught him with some weird Superman punch off the cage where Wonder Boy was whooping up on him. Um, Wonder Boy has a loss to Darren Till before then, which I saw in my own two eyes. It was not a loss. Wonder Boy won that fight. Then... Jorge Masvidal went over him, lost to Woodley in that title fight. That's his past couple of years. Gilbert Burns is just really good. Um, I don't think Bilal Muhammad, even though the record says he's, he's very good, I understand, beat Damian Maya before then. Um, Lyman Good, I, I just think, again, levels to this. Jeff Neal, I hate doing MMA math, beat Bilal Muhammad when they went up against each other. Wonderboy Thompson beats a Jeff Neal, so... Um, I just think Wonder Boy is just a, a tough puzzle to figure out, especially in three rounds. And if your only goal is to like, oh, let me get him on the ground and wrestle him, like Wonder Boy's too smart for that. He loses to the top of the top. We discussed this a little while ago. Like he's like Dominic Cruz. Like if you're the elite elite, he'll lose to you. Or if you're Anthony Pettis pulling out some wild Showtime shit, that's a fluke of a win. But like he, he doesn't lose to just anyone. He's still a very tough out, even at 38 years old. So give me Wonderboy Thompson to win that fight. And at welterweight, again, if Usman keeps running through people, I would love to see him versus Wonderboy. Because five rounds, Usman versus Wonderboy, he can try to wrestle him the whole time, but Usman's another guy who's fallen in love with his hands. So you, you try to have a chess match against Wonderboy and catch a spinning wheel kick, it's a whole different ballgame. It could remind us a lot of Wonderboy Woodley won. We're such an amazing fight, and then Woodley drops him at the end to barely get that. Um, it was a draw, but Wonderboy outpointed him for three of the round. It was just an amazing, amazing fight. I think that's what we could see in him and Usman, but he has to win here first. So give me Stephen, Wood, um, Stephen Thompson to beat Bilal Muhammad in co-main. Main event, Derek Lewis, um, Chris Dalkis. I mean, it's the Black Beast, man. I'm not picking against Derek Lewis. I understand Cyril Gaines is just a whole different different animal. It was a chess match. He, that, that was tough. He, he's the best at what he does there. No, I expect Derek Lewis to bounce back with a monster KO. Good celebration, pounding the mat, tongue out. Maybe he takes his shorts off, the balls are hot. You know, I, I want full Derek Lewis. I want it all. So, yeah, man, the Black Beast, I'm picking him win by knockout this weekend. And that's the UFC card, so it's not bad. Good predictions on the fly for someone who just figured out that this card was happening. So I'll be plugged in watching that on Saturday while I'm at the Jake Paul fight and covering that entire thing. I'm sure but the Derek Lewis fight probably shouldn't last long. Maybe it comes on right after I watch Frank Gore fight this weekend. Yes, Frank Gore, uh, Deron Williams fighting this weekend. So... Get ready. Stuff is getting weird down in Tampa. It's going to be 
a fun one. We're actually going to talk about that entire card, the matchup, everything in boxing on our show on Wednesday. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Again, wishing nothing but the best to the old man. He'll be back later in the week. We appreciate you guys for chilling with me, tuning in. Our last show, we had uh, Spence from Views from the 7. That was incredible. Opening segment, trading hot takes there. So that was fun. This week, just went solo dolo with the help of producer Cole, baby. Giving us great insight throughout the show. Always appreciated there. So can't wait to have the old man back. All of you guys stay safe. Make sure you guys stay Rona free. Stay healthy. Enjoy your family. Enjoy that time. Make sure you keep everyone else healthy. It is, uh, you know, it's getting to the time where there's a bunch of gatherings, a bunch of us together. Stay healthy in all ways. I shared how my wife just um, had her allergic reaction, ended up in the ER. Cherish the ones around you. Take care of everyone. I appreciate you. Appreciate everyone who listens. Shout out to the whole Corner Club. It's time to go, though. So as always, follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me, at Kel Dansby. Follow the old man, at Andreas Hale on all platforms. You can follow producer Cole Bebe. It's Coltrane. On at Coltrane. T- at Coltrane. I want to get, get really added now. Bebe! <laughs> C-O-A-L-E. Train on Twitter. Give him some love as well. Shout out to Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Shout out to Blue Wire Network, everyone involved. Amazing first year, which has really just been a half a year here in Vegas. Nothing but great things to come next year. I promise you, we're just getting started. We're just getting rolling. This is going to be a fun ride. We appreciate everyone coming along with that. But for now, we're out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.